Oh, yeah. I mean, the process of setting boundaries, you know, it's definitely like a dance in a way. And Mm -hmm. you have to sort of do it in the most gentle and compassionate way possible. I think that that's been why my approach has succeeded a lot more over this last year, because in the situation with my parents and them sort of not necessarily wanting me to have a huge relationship with my biological family and sort of understanding their reasons for why they feel that way. And rather than just being angry at them for feeling that way, you know, I try to really understand their reasons why. Welcome to the Woman Warriors podcast. You worry, I worry, we all do. If you're paying attention to the world today, there's a lot for women to feel worried and anxious about. As we explore the worries with curiosity and compassion, we learn to live more authentically and unleash the warrior within, someone who is strong, capable, and resilient, come what may. It's time to stop battling against yourself and start using your powers to meet everyday challenges with energy, purpose, and bravery. Now here's your host, Elizabeth Cush. Hi, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Cush, and I'm a therapist here in Annapolis, Maryland, developing a coaching business, which has taken me a little bit longer than I expected, but also I'm very grateful to myself for taking the time to develop it slowly and really make it what I need it to be so that I can help you work your way back to you, find yourself, live that authentic life that you've been longing to live. And it's coming and I'm excited and I'll keep you posted on when it's available. If you have an interest in setting up a call with me, I will provide that information in my newsletter coming up on how to set up a discovery call to see if you'd like to work with me. You can sign up for the newsletter at progressioncounseling.com forward slash Elizabeth's dash newsletter. And you will find out more about me, the coaching program, my therapy work, as well as the podcast. I hope you're all doing well. I am doing okay as I'm recording this. We're still working through the vaccine, still adjusting to the new political climate and excited that I hope there are more positive things in the future as we head into spring and summer. So my guest this week, we connected through a third party, which is always a little hard for me because I never know, having not personally communicated much with the person, with the guest, how good a fit it will be. And it turns out Sarah Wong was the perfect guest for the podcast. So I'm really excited to share the conversation but let me tell you a little bit about Sarah. Sarah was adopted from birth, and as she matured, she struggled in dealing with many unanswered questions around her personal identity. In 2019, she was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. And after starting therapy, she realized that her anxiety was mainly rooted back to her identity crisis. When she finally reached out to her biological family, she unlocked a part of herself she never knew existed. Through deeply understanding the importance of mental health and self-empowerment, she started Metamorphosis 101 in order to help job seekers land their dream jobs. Sarah's unique approach comes from her 11-factor health model which she integrates with mindful decision-making and compassionate 
accountability. Sarah aims to build a more compassionate and mindful workforce and greater opportunity for those who experience mental health problems. Sarah is going to share her journey from adoption to a better knowing of self and how important boundary setting has been for her in this movement forward. She also shares that she considers self-care and self-love an act of rebellion, and that helps keep her focused on her own physical and mental well-being. I'm excited to share my conversation with her, so let's get started. Hi, Sarah, and welcome to the Woman Warriors podcast. Hello, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, I know. I'm so excited. I am always grateful to find guests or be presented with guests who are such a good fit for the podcast. And it feels like that's going to be the case today. But for the audience members, the listeners who don't know who you are, if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about yourself and what inspired you to help others the way you do. Yeah. So I am a career advisor uh, by trade. Mm-hmm. But I was adopted from birth and I also own my own career coaching business called Metamorphosis 101. That's sort of the, I guess, baseline of who I am. But mm-hmm. beyond that, I have been suffering from anxiety and just sort of having a bit of an identity crisis, mostly after therapy, sort of uncovering and realizing that a lot of that anxiety was actually attached to my adoption and to my kind of identity issues and not really knowing who I am and where I come from and having a lot of unanswered questions around that just really led me to a lot of uncertainty, a lot of doubt, a lot of fear. And Mm -hmm. I've basically spent the last two or three years just sort of knocking down a lot of those barriers in my own life and, you know, working really hard on my self-care with my therapist and just sort of trying to turn everything around. And then now I pay that forward all of the knowledge and information and wisdom that I've gained back to my clients Mm. as a career advisor. Yeah. So I specifically work with folks who are in transition and who are sort of navigating the same sort of mental barriers that I've navigated, that I've found a whole bunch of resources and tools uh, to Mm -hmm. successfully move through. Mm. Yeah. I would imagine that just the way you've described how your adoption, you know, working through being adopted and what that meant in terms of who you were, your identity, that when your identity is unclear or when you're confused, so, you know, or or if who you are is still a question that it would be very hard to find a career that fit you know, that, that, that feels like that would be really difficult. Yeah. I actually didn't identify myself as a career advisor, as a career coach until about a year ago or so. And up until that point, I really felt sort of like a plastic bag floating in the wind, just with no real clear direction. I didn't have myself anchored to much of anything. And Mm. that was sort of just an outcome of a lack of self-identity. And it's one of those things that now that I'm sort of on the other side of it, and I can look back in hindsight, 
I feel for my, I feel for my past self because Mm. not knowing who you are and not having that identity. And especially I think in my case, like I wasn't fully aware of just how sort of lost I actually was and how much better life can be (laughs) once you do find yourself, you know, like you only know what you know. Right. And until you sort of have something happen or you choose to actively make that change to take those steps forward, to do better and to be better and to realize how much of that you can actually change and that you can actually work on in time. I think I used to be very impatient and I used to just want to sort of, you know, get everything done right now. And I had very little patience and sort of understanding the processes in life and how to sort of achieve goals and setting long-term goals. And again, I think a lot of that was just due to trying to compare myself, I guess, to other people around me and seeing where they were at in life. And then sort of looking back upon myself and just being very critical on myself and where I was at in life. And I guess I was just stuck in sort of that perpetual loop of, negative self-talk, mm. you know, just constantly you're not doing good enough. You're not far enough in life. You know, you're in all at the time. Now that I look back, I was doing so much, you know, I was, <laughs> I, I was working a great job. I was leading a, a large community online. I had tons of amazing people in my life and tons of opportunity around me, but I just could not see it. And mm. I think that's where this last year and really focusing back into myself and really prioritizing my self-care and sort of moving away from the idea that self-care is like a selfish, greedy thing to do um, and sort of realizing that it's a very necessary part of being able to contribute to others. Because I think a lot of us that have anxiety and these sort of issues, we are like empathic and we want to help people and we want to do more, you know, we want to, we want to have an impact and you cannot have that impact if you're not taking care of yourself. You know, you, you have to sort of focus on yourself first. And then once you've sort of gotten yourself to a hundred percent, it's like charging up the batteries, you know, once you've gotten yourself to a hundred percent, then you can start to sort of turn that back around and help others. What was coming to my mind was like, yeah, you're like bleeding yourself dry. You're just giving, 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 giving without Mm -hmm. and yeah. Recharging, re-nourishing tapping back into what you need. Exactly. Yeah. And so you share very openly that you were adopted at birth. Mm -hmm. You're recognizing now the impact that had on really understanding who you were. Yeah. Were you aware from a very early age that you were adopted and how did that process impact you just when you found out and all that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was aware my whole life. And I have to say that these issues. And I imagine this might be common with mental health issues. They didn't actually arise until, you know, my early Mm twenties. I had a very honestly happy childhood. My parents are truly amazing. And this is where like my feelings about adoption are so (laughs) vast and complicated because I have to say, honestly, I am more grateful for my adoption than really anything in my life. It was the best choice possible for my birth mom. And the issues that I've came into arose again 
when I was in my early 20s, trying to find myself, trying to sort of identify my career. And I'm very grateful that I didn't have to go through that of sort of finding out at like an older age, you know, somebody coming into my life and telling me when I'm like 18 or something that I'm adopted. So I'm very grateful that I did know my whole entire life. But what I did not know was really anything about my biological family. And I think that's for me why these issues perpetuated so bad because while I knew I was adopted, I did not know anything, anything. I mean, I knew that I was half Irish, I thought, for the majority of my life. Turns out I'm actually mostly British and Scottish uh, on my mom's side. And then on my biological father's side, I'm Korean, half Korean. So I've always known that. So that was really the extent of what I knew about my biological parents was just my like ethnic origin. And yeah, other than that, you know, it was just, I started to sort of picture and create this like little fantasy in my mind of who they could be and who they might be. And just sort of with the world circumstances and the way that things were going in the world and just sort of all of it combined, like my world mixed with the external world just really led me to, you know, that crisis state, that anxiety state, that Mm -hmm. fear state. And I just have to say that, you know, if anybody out there is involved in adoption or considering adoption, that uh, just make sure to be very honest. I think it's very important for people to have those answers about their identity and where they come from, uh, especially if they're asking. Like I remember sort of asking my parents as young as maybe 13 and 14, and they just by their sort of knowledge and wisdom on what they thought was the best for me, they really sort of encouraged me away from that. They were like, mm-hmm. you know, we're your family. That doesn't mm-hmm. really matter very much. And I don't think they realized how, how, how impactful. It it, yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah. I still don't think they fully understand, but I am just glad that I'm at a point now where I know that I'm doing it for myself and that, you know, if it's a, if it's an important thing for me, then I should do it. You know, that's been probably the biggest barrier for me to get over is going against their wishes to find my biological family anyways, because, you know, as much as I love them, they just, they want to sort of keep our family unit more sacred and, That somehow for them, that's threatening for you to kind of look outside that unit, I would imagine, as even though for you, you're recognizing them as the people who raised you and your parents throughout your life. And yet you needed to know more. Yeah. I mean, it was sort of like the missing key that I needed to be able to move forward in life and to be able to achieve the success that I have since found since I've reached out to my biological family. Like it's Mm. just been so much more impactful than I ever imagined that it would be. I guess from the moment that I did choose to finally reach out to them, I'm glad that I sort of took the perspective of just like one step at a time, you know, take it one conversation at a time rather than wanting to put too many expectations around it. And I think that that approach has really, and also I I waited until I w- I knew that I was really, really ready. Mm-hmm. That was really important that I made that decision fully for myself. And in a point in my life when I was really able to sort of balance between my biological family and my adoptive family and sort of knowing what to share with who and sort of keeping certain things to myself and knowing that sort of discretion, because I tend to be 
way too honest and way too open and I share way too much <laughs> with my family. So that's been a big learning lesson for me in all of this as well as in sort of knowing that it's okay to focus on certain things and have them sort of be just for myself. And I don't necessarily have to share them with certain people and sort of knowing where yeah. those boundaries are in life. I think that's boundary setting has been a huge, a huge oh. lesson. Yeah. And I think for women, and I don't know how you feel about this, but I think in particular for women, boundary setting can be very hard. And also, oh, yeah. especially in a very close knit family where maybe the boundaries either weren't honored or were looser yeah. and to have to then set those boundaries can be really difficult. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, the process of setting boundaries, you know, it's definitely like a dance in a way and mm -hmm. you have to sort of do it in the most gentle and compassionate way possible. I think that that's been why my approach has succeeded a lot more over this last year, because in the situation with my parents and them sort of not necessarily wanting me to have a huge relationship with my biological family and sort of understanding their reasons for why they feel that way. And rather than just being angry at them for feeling mm -hmm. that way, you know, I try to really understand their reasons why, and then I can sort of understand their, their reasons why do make sense to me. So my mm -hmm. sister, actually, she was adopted as well uh, from a different biological mother. And when she was about two years old, her biological mother attempted to take her back. Like oh, wow. she, they had to go through a full legal battle of trying to take her back. So throughout my entire life, I've always known that that is the reason why they are scared mm -hmm. of me sort of creating that relationship with my biological family. Cause I imagine that they have a lot of trauma associated with that, yeah. but yeah, took me years, took me 28 years of my life to realize that <sighs> my situation is not my sister's and right. where I come from is not where she comes from. And mm -hmm. me finding my biological family is separate from her and yeah. understanding that and really learning that and sort of owning that within myself has been just immeasurably life-changing and it's sort of inspired me to take those steps forward, those courageous steps forward in other areas of my life as well. Like in starting my business, you know, starting a business during a global pandemic <laughs> as a young <laughs> business owner, that's never owned a business before. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. a big leap of faith and yeah, yeah just through all of it, through just sort of the chain of events that happened from reaching out to my biological family. A few months after that, I actually lost my job at the time I got fired oh, unceremoniously gosh. from my last job. It was a very sort of traumatic experience. Oh. I got in a big, big car accident around the same time. It was just like everything oh, happened no. oh, all at one gosh. time. Yeah. And sort of from Talk about those transitions, ashes, right. I feel like a bit of a phoenix. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, and all that story is in in and of itself is why I am a transition coach because <laughs> I have been forced through my life and through my experience through so many different transitions that I really, you know, it's it's like every time that you learn something new, it's just like a new tool in the toolkit, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like I have this like robust tool belt now of how to deal with these issues now to move beyond anxiety and limiting beliefs and mental barriers and you know, all of these sort of things, I've just adopted like a very regular daily routine 
which mm-hmm. is obviously important, but I think for people with anxiety, and I actually have generalized anxiety disorder, not sure if we mentioned mm-hmm. that, but yeah, for folks with GAD, it's particularly important to have a routine. I've heard, I've learned mm-hmm. that the symptoms of, of generalized anxiety disorder are exacerbated when people don't have a routine, right? Yes. Things feel out of control and yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. my baseline is sort of anxiety <laughs> when I don't really know mm. what I'm doing or where I'm supposed to be in life. I get very anxious very easily. So if I have a very good routine and a very good plan and I sort of know what I'm doing and I have sort of my days and time, months and weeks organized, then a lot of my anxiety symptoms sort of melt away. It's kind of incredible. <laughs> Isn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, and two, to understand that when maybe things aren't going as planned or maybe a day where you don't have as clear an idea of what your day will be, right. that that's what's causing the anxiety, that it's not like you're a bad person. It's not like something wrong with you. It's just like, oh yeah, yeah, this is that feeling I get when I'm not quite sure what's happening next or that I can't control what's happening next and being more compassionate with yourself around that. <laughs> Exactly. And so even with that, what I've actually done is I have a routine that I do regardless of if I have active work to do in any given day or not. Like, for example, I was on a restorative recess from my job. I actually did start a new job recently, which is very exciting, but I was on a break and I had a maybe 10 days of just freedom of really no responsibilities. And I sticked with my daily routine. I woke up every day pretty early. Mm-hmm. And I just sort of, I didn't feel that anxiety because despite not necessarily having like a plan for the day, like I still sort of knew how I had my day organized. And again, I think that the routine and having that sort of daily routine that I move through regardless of what I'm doing any day, you know what I mean? Like I have mm-hmm. my, yeah. every morning when I wake up, I start, I have my cup of coffee. I take my shower. I do a little stretching. I do maybe a five minute like meditation break. And then I get through my day. And then at the end of the day, I like to do maybe a 20 to 40 minute meditation and then some yoga. So I've sort of really worked that into my daily routine, challenged myself, right? To stick to those things. And it started with just one thing at a time. That's sort of where I launched onto this self-care journey about a year ago. It started with a 21 day meditation challenge. And then from there, then I started to add in, you know, when I got more regular with the meditation, then I started adding in daily journaling. I started adding in the yoga, the breathing, you know, and I'm still looking for different things to add into my daily routine, but starting somewhere with consistency, doing something consistently every single day is at least for me, it's been extremely helpful for lowering my anxiety and again, feeling more anchored to that every day. Yeah. 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 To that practice too. I mean, well, Mm -hmm. meditation, I am all about it and, and the benefits of managing anxiety, just sort of teaching you how to be a different way with yourself is such a huge, for me, a part of, you know, getting to know my inner world better meditation has really helped me with my anxiety because I too am a, an, an anxious person. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. 
what parts of your identity for you were, if it feels comfortable to share, were revealed when you were able to reach out to your birth family and, you know, get a sense of what your lineage and heritage and inheritance, biological inheritance, you know, was like? Yeah. So I always had this idea in my mind, like I said, of who my biological family could be. And in finding out who they are, it really validated my beliefs on who they could be, which was very exciting because I think that revealed my intuition Hmm. and understanding how powerful my intuition actually is. Because I mean, seriously, every, almost everything that I felt about them in now reaching out to and learning and and having relationship with them, mm-hmm. all of the feelings that I thought are have been essentially validated. Like it's like this sort of like this idea that our blood does matter, you know, and that's not mm-hmm. necessarily the same case for everybody, but that has certainly been the case for me. So mm-hmm. that has been so helpful and such a confidence booster in learning that they are who I thought that they would be. And mm-hmm that they do possess the same sort of qualities and personality traits and certain things that I have not been around very much. Like I've, I've often felt like a bit like an alien (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. just because I'm so different than a lot of people around me and Mm -hmm. come to find out that my biological family is just like me. They're, they're very similar (laughs) to me. They're very, I mean, my adoptive family, while I adore them, they're, you know, incredible. They're not the most emotional people. They're not, you know, very, they don't deal with like the anxiety and sort of this side of life the way that I do. So, yeah. And if anything, like, because they don't deal with those things that made me feel sort of worse about myself growing up because I looked around because it wasn't just my family. It was sort of, I grew up in a very sort of like white picket fence, like Wisteria Mm. Lane type of little town. And everybody was just so perfect and so put together. And so, you know, organized. And here I was like this much more chaotic, (laughs) much more (laughs) like eccentric type person. And it was just sort of hard for me to find my tribe, I guess. And yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, and I'm assuming white picket fence, I'm in my head too, thinking like white suburban, but I don't know that that's true for you. So being part Korean, I would imagine. Yes. White suburban. Yeah. 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 That even, mm-hmm. even culturally. And adopted and this... interracial. Yeah. So. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you had, you had a whole lot of stuff that, yeah. And some that, that was made very me different. visible. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So finding your people, your tribe, your family that really helped you feel more connected with your core self, your inner yeah, exactly. Knowing. And, and it was like, it was really, I mean, I swear it was like talking with them and, and interacting with them and learning more about them has been sort of like unlocking this, this whole part of myself. And it's this strange feeling because it's like, it's this part of myself that I always knew was there, but now that it's unveiled, like there's so many things about it that I'm like, man, I didn't even know I was capable of, of a lot of this stuff, you know? Mm. And it's been a really incredible sort of experience, right? Like, again, like knowing that it's in you and then finally, once it's 
sort of unleashed, you actually get to see the sort of potential in action. And there's all sorts of, you know, new things that I'm, I've been learning about myself as well. Like my strength, right. I've been living basically alone through the pandemic and being totally by myself for this whole last year. I mean, it's been, if we're talking about taking that journey back within life sort of forced me (laughs) uh, whether or not I really wanted to, to, to spend time with myself and to really take that time to look back within. And I really do think that if that's an important journey for everybody to take, but especially for people that are dealing with really bad anxiety or really bad paranoia or depression or other sort of mental health issues, those are coming from somewhere. Those are rooted somewhere in something. And for me and my therapist, I started therapy about two years ago and it was like trying to find a diamond in a giant pile of mud, you know, like we, (laughs) we jumped into that pile and slowly, but surely grabbed our shovels and started, you know, every session, just shoveling a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Kind of like archeology, span right? You're like slowly chipping away and dusting off and finding what's left underneath. Yeah, exactly. And I'm just grateful to, to now understand the process and the time that it takes and the importance of patience and all of it, because I think a lot of times, especially when you're feeling really anxious and when you're feeling really uncertain about where you are in life and you don't really know where you're at in any given process, Mm -hmm. that's where those little voices start getting louder and louder in your head. And, you know, they start really sort of taking over. But when you can fight those voices by like (laughs) doing the right sort of work and just making the right sort of changes, like and it's a holistic sort of change. It's not just therapy. You can't just you can't just go to therapy and have it be solved for life. Like you have to right. you have right. to change this everything, a, you know. Yeah. Well, and to me, whether you're actually in therapy or not, the process of that sort of inner work is lifelong, you know? Yeah. Where, yeah. Because I think as we grow, as we mature and move through our different life transitions, different stuff begins to become unearthed, you know, again and again, and not that you would necessarily be back to that initial sort of place of not knowing your identity, but it's discovering Mm -hmm. new parts of you all along the way. Absolutely. Definitely. And I know, I think that's why the consistency and sort of knowing Mm -hmm. that this is a journey that I'm going to be taking for the rest of my life. It's not like, okay, I'm here now. I figured yeah. it all out. It's time to, you know, right. It's, right. <laughs> it's time to right. just, you know, conquer life. You know, that's not, you know, exactly. it's it's definitely a continuous journey that that's why, you know, a lot of self-help people out there say this, but it's just so true that the way to accomplish consistent and sort of more permanent change, I would say, is by adopting a lifestyle change and sort of, yeah understanding why you're making those changes and having a purpose for why the, why you're adopting those changes. Like for example, for me, I used to eat a lot of really bad junky food. Mm. I was, I had, you know, I'm, I'm not a sweet tooth, but I'm a savory tooth. I, mm. I love okay. like, you know, French fries and that sort of thing. And yeah, you know, I used to just sort of mindlessly find myself munching and snacking mm. and eventually I sort of stopped myself and I asked like, why am I eating this food? Am I eating it because it's nourishing my body? Am I eating it because it's taking care of me or am I eating it because I'm trying to 
you know, fill maybe an emotional void. If it is trying to fill an emotional void, can I perhaps fill that with something else, something healthier? And meditation sort of and journaling ended up sort of taking taking that place. Uh, and it was mm. definitely, I mean, it took me several months and I still have lapses where I'll, you know, eat some junky food, but sure, I would say, sure. yeah, yeah. I would say now that when it comes to eating, right. It's like mindfully eating, right. Like I'm asking myself every single time that I sit down to eat, is this going to help me? Is this nourishing my body or is mm. this because I'm just emotional and I want, I want to want to find comfort some way. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And Mm. making that change and making that shift. It's in my opinion, I think it's choosing to love yourself versus Mm. some societal standard or whatever. And Mm -hmm. in my opinion, I think that that's, it's kind of an act of rebellion to love yourself. And right. I love that. I just think that's so cool. Right. Like if it's an act, you know, I, am a bit of a rebel. So Uh to sort of associate it that way to think like, okay, if I, if I truly love myself and if I put myself first and if I prioritize my self-care in my life, like that's an act of rebellion against these systems that try to keep us down, you know? (laughs) So, so true. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been like sort of thinking about it that way has been as well, like of just like a, a, a motivational way to, to stay forward, to know that like I'm a part of something bigger than myself, I would say, <laughs> by making yeah. these changes, by prioritizing myself and then sort of hopefully eventually, you know, and through my business, I'm hoping to sort of set that example for others. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of pay it forward or pass it forward. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that as for many of us that finding our identity can be a difficult process. It can be working through trauma and difficult uh, life experiences. Mm -hmm. But if there were somebody that were listening who was really struggling and wanting to know more about themselves, do you have any words of wisdom, advice? What would you like them to know? That's a great question. I would just say first and foremost, to root yourself back to your breath. Mm. Anytime that you're starting to feel those emotions, that anxiety, again, maybe those voices that start screaming inside of your head Hmm. to just sort of stop wherever you are, sit down, get into a very comfortable position, relax your body, loosen your jaw. That's so important. Loosening your jaw is one of those things. Like when you intentionally think to let go of the muscles in your jaw, you're like, it's sort of an instantaneous, like you can feel it sort of relax through your whole body. So loosen the jaw, take a few deep breaths in and just sort of bring yourself back into this present moment. Because I think that that's what both anxiety and depression are. Depression is sort of getting too stuck in the past and feeling too worried about something that happened and anxiety is sort of getting too stuck in the future and scared about what's to come. But if you can root yourself back to this moment, to the present, it can really help to sort of start to dissolve away some of those fears. So I think that just Mm. the breath and focusing into that, that's really where my self-care journey started about six years ago. Mm -hmm. I was going through a really bad breakup and I was on a hike with my ex-boyfriend and I just sat on this table and my heart was like, boom, 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 boom. It was like racing. And I was just like, and I 
I sat down, I closed my eyes and I sort of unintentionally meditated for the first time. And I was like, my whole body felt just this shift. And I was like, okay, all right, this is, this is kind of cool. And so I started looking more into breathing exercises and one thing led to another. And, you know, here I am six years later now. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Making it a part yeah. of your <laughs> daily routine. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Sarah, if, well, one, I so appreciate your coming on the podcast and sharing your very intimate and, you know, personal story because it, that can be hard. And I just appreciate your honesty and sharing that with us. But if people were interested in finding you and working with you, if they were going through some career transitions that they needed some guidance for, how do they find you? So the two best places to find me would be probably on LinkedIn or my website. So LinkedIn is linkedin.com slash in slash Sarah Wong MG and like Mary G like George. And then my website is metamorphosis101.me. Nice. And yeah, I have a contact form there and I would totally love to hear from people out there if anybody is interested send me a message, say hello, let me know you you found me here and I would love to to talk with anybody out there. That's awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for thank coming you. on the podcast, spending time with us today. I appreciate your sharing your journey and maybe we'll talk again about some of these other things we just touched on, like that critical voice or who knows, we could explore lots of things. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to chat with you again. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks so much. Thanks, Elizabeth. So I was right, wasn't I? She was the perfect guest. Sarah Wong was the perfect guest for the podcast. Her journey through finding herself at this, this sort of very anxious and anxiety provoking transition in her life, but also recognizing that her lack of self-identity led her on this beautiful journey of reflection and turning within and finding parts of herself that she didn't know existed just is one, a beautiful story. Two, I appreciate her willingness to share so much with us. And three, these are the stories I love. These are the people I love to connect with because it just so resonates with me. And I hope the stories resonate with you too. You can check out Sarah on her website or through LinkedIn, and I will provide all of her contact information in the show notes. Once again, I'm excited to be launching this coaching business, and I hope you will sign up for updates at progressioncounseling.com forward slash Elizabeth's newsletter. Again, too, if you are interested in setting up a discovery call, I will be providing all of that information on how to work with me in the newsletter and through self-promotion, of course, I will be sharing it on social media too. So I'm excited about this next part of my journey. Well, I hope you will all maybe tap into some of Sarah's methods for turning inward, pausing, taking a few slow, deep breaths, really centering in yourself in this present moment this week and see how that resonates for you. I hope this week is productive. I hope it's fruitful. I hope it's joyful that you find time to laugh and play, find gratitude and to celebrate just for being alive. 
Ciao for now from this woman warrior. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Woman Warriors Podcast. The information in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Music was written and performed by Andy Cush. If you'd like more information on this episode, you can find the show notes, the resources shared today, and links to the guest profiles at womanwarriors.com.